So before we get started, please take a minute to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at iShipItPod. You can also visit us on our website, iShipItPod.com, or email any questions or comments directly at iShipItPod, or to, uh, to us, to us at iShipItPodGmail.com. Every time I say this, I feel like Alexi Darling from Buzzline. <laughs> You can email me at darlingalexinewscom.net or you can page me at... But if you are feeling supportive and you want to help us grow, you can donate via PayPal, shop our Amazon affiliate link, or buy us a coffee. And last but certainly not least, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends that you ship it. Pretty please. Thor ate a lot of Pop-Tarts in these fanfics. It is a hot garbage fire. Do you not know what sex pollen is? I mean, phantom seed... What? <laughs> I don't care. I ship it. I don't care. I ship hey there, geek girls, geek boys, and geeks beyond the binary. This is Emily J with the I Ship It podcast, your safe space on the internet for fan fiction, fandom, and all that stuff you've been pretending you're not reading on your phones. Guess what, guys? I have a very special guest, not even on the phone, sitting next to me. My friendship. The wonderful, the amazing, the fantabulous, Cassie! Hi, everybody! Cassie's here. Um, Cassie has been a fan of friendship since, like, the day I met her. Mm-hmm. Um, I've adopted her as my big sister. <laughs> and uh, I am in her town right now for work and friendship. Obs. And so, as we do on this show, when I have a guest, it is a guest choice for the topic. So, our topic today is going to be... Percy Jackson and Neil Fiennes. Cassie's favorite fandom. For real. It is it like is. your favorite. You're like it is number one, right? way up there. It's for way sure. up there. Okay, great. Way up there. Good. Now, this goes along quite perfectly because last week I got the super wonderful, amazing opportunity to interview a member of the cast for the Percy Jackson Lightning Thief musical that is coming to Portland May 7th and 8th. Get your tickets. Um, and so I wanted to play that first before we get into talking about all the fun things about your love of Percy Jackson. Um, so this is Sam Light. He is a member of the cast. Um, he was kind enough to do an interview with me and just kind of talk about how, what the musical and what the actual story pretty much means to him. Okay, so hi everybody. I am here with Sam Light from the uh, Lightning Thief Percy Jackson musical. Hi, Sam. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I am just dandy. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, so you guys are on tour right now with The Lightning Thief, yes? Yes, we are. National tour. Where are you? How's it going? We got to Sacramento yesterday and it has been going so well. Really excited to start kind of our West Coast leg of the tour. We're really excited about the warm weather. Oh, good. Where were you before? Uh, we just came from New Orleans, so we were definitely okay. warm then. But uh, our January, February, we were part of that polar vortex of the oh, Midwest. Fun. So, oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, such a relief. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We're happy to uh, to provide some, some moderate temperatures for you. Yeah, definitely. I know I have 
friends and family on the East Coast that I keep like saying like, oh my God, it's only 50 degrees here. And they're like, you can shut up. Yeah. Don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Um, So you guys are in Sacramento and then are you just, you're just making your way up the West Coast for April and then into May? Because I know you'll be here in May, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're heading to Seattle next week and then we're kind of just like working our way. Um, I think down from there, actually. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> you can't down. go yeah. much further north after Seattle. So, right. awesome. Well, that's great. And you said it's been going well. Big crowds, yeah. having lots of fun. Yeah, we're having so much fun. I feel like we leave the stage door every night, and everyone is so so excited, which is just the best feeling. So, yeah, definitely you feel like a rock star. Yeah. Um, okay, so with Percy Jackson, were you a fan of the books before you were involved with the show? Yeah. Um, I started reading the books, I think in eighth grade, and I read all of the Percy Jackson series and then all of the, um, does it start with Son of Neptune or is that just the one that's um, really jumping out of my brain? I definitely read the second full series and then part of the third full series. Okay. So I definitely like was a really, really big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome then that you get to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, cause so I was, um, creeping on the lightning thief social media a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did notice that you have a hashtag attached to your name. Yes. CrossFit Percy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are a couple of different hashtags that are attached to my name now, um, but that's one of them. Definitely. I, one of my goals for tour was to kind of like figure out how to stay active. And I I coach CrossFit when I'm in New York. So I was like, let's figure out how to drop into as many CrossFit gyms as I can as we're traveling. Mm -hmm. So that's just been kind of another outlet for me while on tour. I think it's kept me healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure it's like really difficult to be uprooted from your normal routine to be in a different city every other night or every other week. Right. Right. But honestly, like you never know how you're going to like tour until you do it, I think. Right. Um, yeah. And I think it really suits me just because I am trying to create these routines as much of a routine as you can in different cities. So I really, I've loved it. Awesome. Yeah. I saw that. I saw, um, it was like hashtag competent Sam. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> that one's kind of gone away. I wonder if I've gotten less competent, but, <laughs> uh, but there was a time, especially in the beginning of the tour, um, I've known Chris for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it always felt like I was helping, helping him out on the journey. <laughs> uh, and now he helps me out. So. Right. Yeah. It's a give and take, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I didn't actually, I didn't even mention your role in the show cause I'm bad at this. Um, so you are, <laughs> tell us about your, what you're doing with the show. Yeah. So I cover Percy and Luke. So okay. I cover the person who you think is the lightning thief. And then I cover the actual lightning thief. It's very, oh. very confusing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Lots going on in your, in your memory there. <laughs> Lots going on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of social media though, I was, like I said, I was creeping on the Facebook and the Twitter and um, I have to say the Twitter page has to be one of my favorite fandom Twitters I've ever it, seen. It's pretty amazing, right? It's so fun. Yeah. They, I've never seen, honestly, I've never seen a franchise and I, I deal heavily in geek. So like mm-hmm. I have never seen a franchise so crazily embrace their fandom. Yeah. 
totally. like so publicly. Like they do like headcanon Fridays and, you know, posting like retweeting fan art and all this. Stuff. It's so fun to watch. But is that something that you get to participate in or is that handled elsewhere? You know, uh, we all work really closely with our social media team. Um, mm-hmm. especially because they're so, so, so great at what they do. They make it really fun for us to give them content and to oh, um, for us to collaborate. But they really come up with so many ideas that we just like, they'll say like, can you do this? And we're like, absolutely, because it's so, so, so much fun. And they, they really do such a good job with it. So honestly, when they did that, um, there was something trending on our Twitter about like, uh, fans who weren't able to purchase a ticket and then yes, I was going to get to that next. Fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh we can talk God. about that. Yeah, that's going to go right into it. Yeah, that yeah. it's called the Half Bloods Helping Half Bloods Initiative. Yes. Yep. And honestly, like that just like makes me tear up. It was one of the coolest things when our social team told us about it mm-hmm. or when we saw it. It was yeah. Oh my God! Just we I've never ever ever seen that in any sort of theater, and for our show to kind of like start that and see like where it will go from here. Uh, It's so cool. Yeah, I've I mean, that's my next question was like, let's talk about that, because I've never seen that anywhere ever. No, Um, I think it's it's crazy. Um, Before. Yeah, let me just explain it real quick. It's that the thing that we're talking about is called Half Bloods Helping Half Bloods, where you can purchase tickets for fans in other cities so that they if they maybe wouldn't be able to afford to go see the show on their own. Um, These tickets have been purchased for them. And it's just like this altruistic thing that these Percy Jackson fans are sharing this experience together. And it's really taken off. I mean, a couple thousand dollars I've seen have been, have been donated. I think it's like at least 60, maybe 70 fans have been able to go to these shows across the country. It's really, really amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. And like I said, I've never seen that in any other show. I don't think anybody's ever even tried that before or no. wanted to try it. I I wonder like if it wouldn't work in any other show, you know, mm-hmm. like just because the fandom is kind of so tight knit that um, there's really like a selflessness to it that people are really excited to help other fans see this iteration of the show that uh we've really worked hard to like keep very close to the books and and um we re- we work really hard to just make a great production um yeah i mean it's it's one of those things like my next question was like how does it feel to be a part of a production that's so connected to their fan base and their fan base also being so connected to each other like it's this really big family and i was just wondering if that kind of inspires your performance or if it's a little bit more pressure? How do you feel about it? It definitely uh, is unlike anything I've ever felt before, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember I was going out to the box office to get a a seat for a friend when we were doing our shows at the Beacon in New York uh, like Mm -hmm. three weeks ago. And it was this energy like nothing I've ever felt. I mean, like, honestly, it was... The equivalent of me feeling like we were going to a Beyonce concert. And I was like, (laughs) this is insane. Uh, And just like really, really gives you the energy to want to do this show day after day, eight shows a week, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's got to be so much fun to be welcomed so heartily into this fandom. I know that uh, we won't speak of, of the other 
iterations of the Percy Jackson franchise because mm-hmm. I know that this one has nothing to do with those. Right, um, right. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so I've learned enough from my social media creeping to know what we don't speak of. Um, <laughs> again, looking through and seeing the the boards and you know the the Twitter feed and everything, and a lot of the people who are coming to the show and then helping others to see it as well are people in their twenties and thirties mm-hmm. who you know it's not just for kids, and that these are people who grew up you know geeking out with the books. And I know yeah. you said that you were a fan before, but because um, I do run a geek podcast, what else <laughs> did you geek out about when you were a kid? Or is there some movie franchise or book series that like gets your geek fire going now? Oh, I geek out about so many things. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, don't have to out yourself if you don't want everybody to know what you're into, but you know. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> out and proud. <laughs> um, so it definitely my first love without a doubt was Harry Potter. And yes. I've probably Good read choice. the books like 13 <laughs> times and just, and I love the movies and I love everything about it. Um, after Harry Potter became um, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's one where like, I'm a little uh, ashamed to say that I've read the first book. I, I read the Hobbit for school and then I read the first book probably like six times and I could never <laughs> finish it. But those movies, I've probably seen like 20 (laughs) times each. So um, that one, I've just kind of like given up. And I'm just like, I can appreciate the movies and not shame myself for not liking the books. Yeah, absolutely. And these people who gatekeep on fandom, like that you're not a real, no, you're a real fan, Sam. Don't worry. Like, don't let anybody feel like you're not a real Lord of the Rings fan, okay? (laughs) That really means a lot. Send them to me and I'll (laughs) set them straight, all right? Exactly. I mean, I couldn't like see Orlando Bloom as an elf in the books. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> so There's no point I reading them. Be a fan? <laughs> <laughs> so right. there was that. And then after Lord of the Rings, I'd say my biggest geek stuff is really Game of Thrones now. Oh, are um, you so sad that it's ending? Or are you just I'm like on the edge so of your sad. seat? <laughs> I, well, I'm, a, I'm definitely on the edge of my seat. I, you know, I know that they're going to do prequels. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm also like, very excited about like the Lord of the Rings Amazon series. I'm very excited about that. I know that it's always going to continue. Um, but it's weird because like, you know, in terms of Harry Potter continuing, I haven't been a big fan of the fantastic beasts. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's not, it doesn't like go in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like fantastic beasts did. So we'll just have yeah. to see. <laughs> I hope I hope for your sake that it goes yeah. the way you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a Game of Thrones girl, but I do. I feel like I'm like, you know, secondhand experiencing with everybody who is Game of Thrones. I'm like, of course, okay. of course. Yeah, I hope yeah, it goes yeah. well for you guys. <laughs> you know, you know that you have, have been a fan of something like that. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. I've, I mean, yeah. Avengers Endgame is coming at the end of the month. I know. <laughs> Yes, I know exactly. how it feels to be like running out of time with something you love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we've talked about, you know, the fans and, and everything, but the actual show itself um, has inspired, I mean, the story itself has inspired so much love and so much connection and so much posit- positivity. But why do you think that the show um, has such a broad appeal? And like, what is it about Percy's story that so many people can connect with? So I think that I had, because I had read the books pretty early, when I saw the first iteration of it in New York at the Lortel, mm-hmm. um, I 
was actually seeing it because I was roommates with Chris at the time. Chris and I went to the same college and oh, cool. I was living with Chris in New York and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go see my roommate in this awesome show that <laughs> I obviously like, I love Lightning Thief, so that's great. Um, and I remember kind of just like not knowing what to expect because you hear Lightning Thief, it's a young adult novel. You're like, is this going to be just for kids? Is this going to be for me? Is this going to be for adults? Um, mm-hmm. Cause obviously I'm not an adult. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the first number happens and you're like, okay, yeah, I love how to set up the, the story. And then the second number happens, which is strong with mm-hmm. Percy and his mom. And you kind of see this incredibly real number that you didn't necessarily expect from a young, something that is based off of a young adult book. Right. Right. And, um, you know, that's where we kind of introduce the idea of the things that make you different are the things that make you strong. Right. And mm-hmm. it, that is such a lovely thing for us to be able to convey to audiences every single night because um, whether your difference is a learning disability or whether it's your sexuality or whether it's anything else that makes you different from the general population of the United States uh, or of the world, those are the things that really make you interesting and so lovable and so strong and amazing. So that it's been such a cool experience to see because again, because of our social media, the way that our social media is run, we're able to actually see people who have really been affected by this message. And sometimes I don't think that shows allow you to see that response from your audience, you know? So that's been, it's been pretty amazing. That that sounds wonderful. That sounds like the best thing for an actor to be able to get to do. That's yeah. You're so lucky. Yeah, and good it, job, you. And I love it because it's established right in the second song of the show, and you're just like, let's carry this on for the rest, and it's it's smooth sailing from there, really. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sam. I so appreciate you stopping by. I ship it and sharing your thoughts with us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical will be in Portland May 7th and 8th at the Keller Auditorium. So Shipper City here in Portland, if you don't have your tickets yet, get on it. And if you're yeah. elsewhere, <laughs> check and make sure that Percy Jackson's coming to your city and get your tickets early because they are going fast. So. Yes. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. So that was Sam. He was delightful. <laughs> divine and wonderful um he was actually he was super sweet i was super happy to to be able to talk with him so he kind of touched on some stuff about um about the characters and about how uh this story how the reason it resonates with people and why it means so much to so many people and why so many people are going kind of out of their way to not only be able to see the musical but to make sure other people can see the musical and just like the the sort of community fandom the community feel of the fandom for the percy jackson fans um so let's talk about your love of percy jackson when did it start uh it started in 2010 actually when the lightning thief movie was coming out and i went with my best friend and her son who at the time was right in the uh, target demographic Mm -hmm. And so we decided before we went to see the movie that we were going to read the books, which was the best decision I have ever made because anybody who has ever touched the Percy Jackson fandom knows about the travesty that was the movies. 
I think it's really funny that the musical goes so out of its way to like they refer to like the films as like that which must not be named yes. and they're like our musical is based on the books the good version the good story the real one <laughs> yes everyone's like don't mention the movie don't mention the movie at all in this interview like, oh, okay sorry I broke I broke the rules um, but yeah I mean you know so that was how I got into the fandom I picked up the first book mm-hmm. and because they're geared toward young adult middle mm-hmm. to high school age yeah they were very quick reads and so we managed to get I managed to get through the entire series in probably the weekend mm-hmm. maybe maybe a whole week yeah to get through all five books I just blew through them so fast that they blended together I still to this day can't tell what remember happened what in happened each in each one because they just all run together um and so one of the things that I loved the most about that fandom is that it is, like I said, geared toward the middle mm-hmm. to high school age group, but there are so many different things represented in it. If you have ever felt excluded, if you've ever felt out of place, if you've ever felt, which is a huge strong theme in young adult literature, mm-hmm. but it's especially strong in this one because so many of the characters struggle with various things that that are going on in their lives, whether it be um, learning disabilities or reading disabilities or um, family problems or, you know... Um, their sexuality, their coming of age, their growing up, all of those things. And so that was why I think that everybody finds such a, why there's such a strong sense of community mm-hmm. in that fandom because every it resonates with everybody. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know this was going to, I was excited to talk about this with you because I know nothing about <laughs> Percy Jackson at all. I did a very quick study before my interview with Sam mm-hmm. And that told me almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have to tell you, um, I did watch the movie last night because it was on HBO. I'm so sorry. And the thing <laughs> is, I think... <laughs> I'm going to make a controversial statement here. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. Right. Because I don't know what the book is. Right. So I think the, the key to enjoying the Percy Jackson movies is to not know the story. Yes. And not know how they bastardized it. Yes. <laughs> To make these movies. And let me step out of the box and point out that Logan Learman and Alexander Daddario and all of the others who acted in that movie did a spectacular job. They, they really did. They were trying their best. They were trying Clearly. their best. They did the best they could with what they had. I thought it was, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I but I think the key is not knowing right. what I'm missing. Yeah. From the actual yeah. story. <laughs> Which you'd know if you had read them. I know. But it's so much more fun to go into an interview 100% blind and not know what the hell you're talking about and what you're going to talk to your guest about. But before we get into more about Percy, um, I always like to start with my guests asking them, like, how did you find fan fiction? How long have you been reading fanfic? Um, I have been reading fanfic for as long as I can remember. Um, it would have started clear back before I hit probably double digits. Nice. <laughs> um, with Zelda, with, you know, because I was a big video game. I'll say, because you're a gamer. I'm a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, with Zelda, um, with CSI, when I was technically, you know, too young to be watching that. <laughs> Is there such a thing as Hi, too Mom. young? Too yes. young for CSI. Sorry, Kath. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I have been reading and, and writing fanfics for as long as I can remember. Um, and the fan, uh, the fandoms that I have been into have spanned quite an array, as I think most people can, can say. It's true. And now, obviously, you and I have more in common than just the Harry Potter fandom, but that is what that was one of the first things that yes. we found that we had in common. Yes. 
And I was like, you answered correctly when I said who should have Hermione ended up with. And you said Harry Potter, obviously. Obviously. And I was like, okay, good. We can continue this. We can be friends This now. budding friendship. <laughs> um, that was the correct answer. I still stand on that. Uh, we all do. <laughs> Including J.K. Rowling. <laughs> She's come over to our side. Um, but, yeah. So, okay. So you started when you were in, like, what, basically elementary school? Elementary school, yeah. yeah. Um, were you were you online reading? Or were you, like, doing what I did, which was writing fanfic without realizing that it was a thing? Yes. So you were one of those? I was. Awesome. And when I discovered that there was on, I was like, there are other people that do other this? Other people do this? And then there were, like, there were, you know, awards, and there were, like, whole Isn't communities. The best and there feeling were, in the entire was, world? Yes. I was like, I'm not alone. Other people do this. I'm not the only one. Yes. Oh, that's such a wonderful feeling. And it's so important to have as a kid. Yes. Like, when, I mean, I think when I realized that, like, fanfic was a thing that I could go online, you know, for my half hour of internet time that I was granted a day. Same. Um, on the AOL disc that <laughs> we had. Up. Yes, the <laughs> dial-up CD that they sent us in the mail. Um, that I could go online and read stories that were the exact thing that I wanted to read. Yes. That was like so huge to me because it was un it was unimaginable before. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, I was just like I still think about like how lucky I feel to have been able to find that and be like I'm not alone. Yes. I'm not crazy. And look at all these people who are just like me. Just like you. And the alternative was those uh, novelizations mm -hmm. of whatever television yep. show was big at the time. X-Files, yep. CSI had mm -hmm. a few of them. And they just, then you'd get online and you'd find fanfics. And it was like, why aren't these people putting well, out books? And the thing is, like, those books were just, like, kind of more of canon, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. But, like, Scully and Mulder weren't kissing in those books. Right. And I wanted, I needed them to kiss. Yes. Yeah. We all did. And they didn't until nine seasons later. Oh, I didn't don't. have time to wait for that. Right? So, <laughs> I had growing up to do. I was busy and being 11. Yes. And I had things that I needed to accomplish. Didn't have time to wait for it in canon, but I could find it in fanfic. Amen. That's just the most wonderful thing in it the is. entire world. It is. <laughs> so that is your fanfic humble beginnings. Where have you spent the most time? What fandom? Ooh, that would be a hard one. Um, I would say probably CSI and Harry Potter okay. would be the top two. Mm -hmm. um, but there have been others, many, many others through the years um, that I have come in and out of. But I'd, I'd say that kind of like a book, you never really leave it. You know, yes. you grow out of it, mm -hmm. but it's still there in the corner. Yeah, no, that's how I felt about when I did my Hunger Games episode. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't really go here anymore. Right. But, like, I still love this. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't and feel the need to read it all the time. But when I went back to, like, find the ones that I loved, I was like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. Right? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, I remember why I was obsessed with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep, it's, and fanfic's always there for you. So yes. CSI, not the offshoots, right? Either or. Okay. I really like New York as well. Um, I never really got super into Miami. Which is so funny because that's the only one that I love. I know, and I hear so many people <laughs> say that. Like, I'm the original or I'm New York. I never got into Miami, and everybody is always like, that's the only one I like. But it's so funny. I know. It's so silly. I think that's why I liked it because yes. it took itself so seriously. And yes. It was so insane. <laughs> oh, David Caruso. He's great. Child of God. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> 
What a saint. <laughs> that he delivered all of those lines with such a straight face. I, I was just going to say, and he did it with a straight <laughs> That man deserves an Emmy. Because uh, um, they were bad lines. They were such bad lines. They were such silly storylines. They really were. Oh, my God. And not even the storylines, but the one-liners they gave him at the beginning of and every just, yeah. single... And he was like, he just leaned into it. He, you he really have it. He to, ran you with it. You really have to respect an actor who's just like, yep, this is what I got. <laughs> this is who this I is am This is what I'm doing. Um, okay, so fanfic humble begins. Now you yes. are a writer as well as a reader. I am. Um, I'm not outing you. That's <laughs> how I met you. Yes. I was gonna say, I think I think that's safe to say. I think anybody who's ever known me knows that. Um, one of my greatest sadnesses and this I take full I well no, I say that I take fifty percent of the responsibility <laughs> for this never happening, uh, was that Cassie and I uh, created an outline for literally what would have been the greatest Harry Potter story of all time. Yes. It is a very complicated plot. Oh my God. It is very dark, but very uh, well-rounded, very complex, um, a meaty, hearty storyline. It was deep. It was deep. It would have been beautiful. It would have been 500 pages. We have written none of it. No, but we still talk about it. We do still talk (laughs) about it. It's the fic that got away. We have several of those. We have several outlines. I've saved I am conversations. Yes. Oh, do you really? This you is how long. Well, those? because I didn't like want to forget anything. Right. So I just like uh save the whole conversation and That's then I'll so look funny. I'll break it down later. Obviously, I never did. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> and I remember the plot, but I don't remember all those intricate details. I know. It. That's the thing. I remember the general overall yes. arc, and I know for a fact that I've still never read anything like it, and no. it would have been it would have been very one of a kind. It would have been gorgeous. And gentle listeners, it will never happen. <laughs> we would love for it to happen, but unfortunately, we both have adulthood. Say, and we lives. may it may happen when we're retired. When we're retired <laughs> and we're living in the the senior living yes, home in, in the adjoining <laughs> rooms at the senior living facility. And we'll just we'll just shut everybody else out, and we'll just sit and write Harry Potter fans. We've fiction. been trying to write this for seventy five years. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Bring lunch later. Yes. So that's when that'll happen. So look for that, guys. It'll be, what, 2052? Yeah, something like that. It'll be fun. And it'll be great when it happens. It will be. Um, okay, so we talked about your your humble beginnings, uh, your fandoms, your favorites. What is something, aside from we talked about that sense of community and that yes. um, feeling of not being alone, Yes. what is something that you get from fanfic that you don't get from other forms of media? I think that partially what I love about fanfic is there is no middleman to mm-hmm. it. When you are publishing a book or when, especially when it's a novelization of something else, whether it's a TV show or it's a movie or whatever, there's channels that it has to go through and certain things get cut and certain things, oh, I don't think this will work with this this audience or, oh, I think this is too mature for this audience mm-hmm. or whatever it is. With fan fiction, it is an unpolished writer or even a polished writer, but mm-hmm. generally it's not as often done by published authors yeah. who have experience with such things just pouring your heart out on a page and putting it out there for other people to find. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what's so wonderful about it is the fact that it's other people all around the world, different languages, different walks of life, different ages, um, who all find each other's work and you find friends, you find real life friends through this. Um, I met my best friend through fan fiction. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's a thing that never would have happened if, it had not been for me throwing out an old fanfic 
What fandom I have to know? It was numbers. <laughs> and then it crossed over to Supernatural. And when I published my Supernatural fanfic, um, my friend emailed me and said, hey, this is really good, but you missed a couple of things because it was a new fandom for mm-hmm. me at the time. And she said, you know, I need you to fix a couple of things if you want it to be on point. And I was like, hey, that's great. Can I email you back, you know, the next yeah. chapter and you mm-hmm. can look at it and give me feedback. And she did. And so from there, it started like we just started talking. You mm-hmm. know, she said, oh, I'm going away on vacation, so I won't be able to proofread for you next week or whatever. And we got to talking about her vacation and we got to talking about other things. And out of that, you know, a 13-year friendship has has blossomed. And we still, you know, like the same TV shows. And we still we still get to be geeks together because right. that's that's where we started. That's so cool. Thank and you. that's like, I mean, that's seriously, that's the best thing in the world. It I mean, is. The, and I, I totally agree that the beauty of fanfic is that it is just like pure imagination. Yes. It's uncut, if yes. you will, to use a drug trafficking term. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's not the first one I would have used because I like it. <laughs> uh, it is a drug. Yeah, yeah, you're not me. wrong. I've tried to quit a couple times. I've gone through the program, and you look at yourself <laughs> and you're like, you know what? I feel like I should be too mature for this. And then somehow it's three a.m. and but you're still reading a Harry Potter fanfic. And but it's you're not too mature for it, it because like the thing that I keep and the keep the thing I keep having to go back to because it keeps being brought up that people mm-hmm. feel like. They should be ashamed or they right. should be over this or whatever. And the whole reason I made this podcast, right. the tagline is there's nothing to be ashamed of. Because we're in our 30s. You're And I now am the same age that my mother was when I met her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot imagine that when I was born or when my brother was born that she just stopped liking the things that she liked. Right. All I know about my mom is that she just didn't talk to her children about those things that she liked. It doesn't mean she didn't have them, keep liking them. Right. It's just that we experienced her as mom, Mm -hmm. not as somebody who was a whole person before we came along. Right. So I think about that and I think like, what on earth, why would anybody be expected to give up liking something? Right. Because you hit a certain number of yeah, years. Because, and you know, not because, you know, and we're not moms, but right. we're adult women with, you know, grown up jobs. I hope you guys can hear the air quotes. Um, <laughs> grown up jobs who have, you know, obligations bills and bills and-, and taxes and things that we have to, to handle. But also, like, how freaking sad would it be if that was all we had? Right. <laughs> and I feel like that's like the expectation. Yes. A little bit is like, you know, there's like those 19 or 20 year olds who are like, ugh, women in their 30s, why are you still in fandom? Go have a baby and pay your taxes. That doesn't sound like fun. And I can do those (laughs) things and still be in fandoms too. And like when you were a kid and you wanted to grow up and you wanted to do what you wanted to do, did you ever picture yourself not doing all those fun things you wanted to do as a kid that you couldn't do because you were a kid. Right. So now I'm 30 and it's like, oh, now you're not supposed to enjoy doing those things anymore. And it's like, what? whatever. Like, this is what I worked for 30 years to get to do. <laughs> right. Why am I paying my taxes then if I can't stay up past midnight on a school night eating ice cream and reading Harry Potter fan fiction? Amen. <laughs> or Percy Jackson. <laughs> yes. Like, why did we even fight a war? Yes. That's what's waiting for us. <laughs> fight a war. <laughs> yeah. To quote my favorite old man customer from Bob Evans, Christ, why do we even fight a war? <laughs> you know? I feel like that sums up so many things about so, adulthood. He was such a sweetheart. Sidebar, his name was Eddie. He was 300 years old. <laughs> and he, I was his favorite. I wasn't a waitress at that point. I was a manager. But I was his favorite employee. 
And uh, we all knew his favorite was that he'd had this omelet that he liked and he wanted you to use what he called real eggs. Okay. Which is cracked eggs. Okay. And for some, he thought he could taste the difference between real and not, well, cracked and liquid. Okay. And so he had a new waitress one time and she did not make that distinction. Oh, dear. So he flagged me down and I was like, what's going on, Eddie? And he was like, this, there's something, there's something wrong with this omelet. I don't know what it is. It doesn't taste right. And I was like, oh, yeah, Alicia was your server. She probably forgot to tell them cracked eggs because she didn't know. Right. And he was like, what the hell am I eating then? And I was like, well, I mean, it's still eggs. I said, but it's, you know, it's liquid eggs. It's liquid eggs. And he throws his fork down. He's liquid eggs. Christ, why do we even fight a war? (laughs) (laughs) Eddie, I don't know. (laughs) Side note, Eddie would fit in great with my seniors. I was like... Eddie, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm going to go make you my, that omelet myself. Okay? He was like, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. He wore his little World War II vet hat. I loved Aww. him. He was so sweet. He sounds awesome. He was great. But, uh, yeah, so whenever anything goes unwell in my life, I think of Eddie and say, Christ, why do we even fight a war? <laughs> but, okay, so back to Percy. Yes, back to Percy. Um, I know nothing about this. Okay. You, I've gotten kind of the cliff notes as to, you know, why the characters are a certain ways. Right. I think it is really cool that he wrote this for his son who had ADHD and dyslexia? Yes. yes. Both? Okay. I believe so. Um, and to give the characters that and then explain it as it's part of their superpowers. Right. And not only that, but it's it's part of who they are and it doesn't slow them down and it doesn't make them less of... A right. character. And it's yeah, and it's a it's an asset. Yes, you know, it's an that asset. They just don't to. understand, you know, in this context, but put them in the right frame of mind and in the right context, then it becomes this asset that they need. Exactly. And that was really cool. It is. And um, you know, I I kinda gave you a quick rundown yesterday as we were driving around mm-hmm. the city and I drove past all of our turns because I was so busy <laughs> talking about Percy and Annabeth and Nico and um but <laughs> You know, um, the great part about it is I I only read the first two series. I have not gone on to read um, his most recent ones Mm -hmm. yet. Um, Is it all in the same universe? It's all in the same universe. universe. Um, And it crosses over. Uh, I know he's doing the Gods of Asgard right now. Um, I know he's the the Magnus Chase series. I know he's done um, the Egyptian Gods with the Kane Chronicles, which was also phenomenal. I love Egypt stuff. Yes. Maybe I should start there. You should. It's should I start really there? Good. Can it's I start re- there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You can read that one, and it, that one does not actually... It takes place in the same general location, but it does not directly cross over. Okay. So you won't be confused with that one. And um, the main character is just a doll baby. You'll love him. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So the point of that is I only really read these first two, which was the um, hero, uh, the Percy Jackson and the Olympians and then the Heroes of Olympus series. Okay. Um, but... One of the great things about it is that, like you said, they all start out with all these, like, different quirks and these different disabilities Mm -hmm. and these different whatever it is that makes them unique. And it comes to be part of who they are and it comes to be, like you said, an asset. Um, And they learn to work around what is negative and bring it back to positive. Mm -hmm. And that's done all through the series. And I think that's just such a really nice touch because... It makes the the child who's reading it, the child in me who you know struggled with ADHD and struggled with my own dyslexia, mm-hmm. makes you feel like there's a lot more to you than just being labeled with that. 
Well, and I think it's um, it kind of puts it in that frame of mind, especially for a kid who, like we're saying, you know, doesn't feel like they're normal or, and they're not normal. Right. I mean, and that's just that's not a bad thing. No. But you know, it kind of kind of gives them a, a thing to think of, like, well, maybe there is a reason that I'm like this. Right. You know, and maybe it's not because I'm a child of a Greek god right. who needs to know how to read ancient Greek and you know have, have yeah have quick battlefield reflexes, but Maybe it's so that I can understand something else later on. Right. And I think that's really important. And I really like that that they do that in that series. And at the end of the day, you know, what is normal anyway? Exactly. So. And I think, I well, Sam says in his interview that, you know, there's a song that uh, Percy's mother sings. Mm-hmm. I think it's a second song in the musical. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, What Makes You Different Makes You Strong. Okay. I haven't gotten to see the music. And I haven't listened to it yet, but um, he said that song sets the tone for the whole show, like for the cast. Yes. He was like, and once we hit that, you know, it's it's just smooth sailing the whole way through. (laughs) He's like, as long as we hit that note, and she always hits that note, so it's perfect. Perfect. Um, But I love that. I love that idea, and I Mm -hmm. think that's really, really cool. So important stuff now, shipping. Shipping. (laughs) The most important part of any fandom, who can you rapidly grab as characters and say, no kiss. Oh, man, and that's the wonderful thing about this one is that there's so many of them. <laughs> there's so many of them. Um, I am I mean, first and foremost, I'm a Percy and Annabeth because I saw so much of Annabeth in 12-year-old me. Okay. Um, the same frustrations and mm-hmm. the same disconnect from the world and the same, you know, just just pushing everybody away and keeping that whole shell up and, and watching that come down around her and start letting friends in and making friends with people, you know, that... They're 12 when the series begins, so it's okay. quite a while before they grow up and they start making romantic connections, mm-hmm. which is which good. is wonderful, yeah, because there's just not enough of that. There's yeah. just not enough of the focusing on, let's just grow together and be friends together and take these life adventures together without it turning into something more. Right. And I think it is really important, despite how much I rail and say <laughs> that Harry and Hermione should have been together, Amen. I think that... As I've gotten older, I do appreciate, I've said mm-hmm. it before, that there are, uh, a, they are a very strong example, and I think that there's probably a strong example in Percy as well. Yes. Um, Percy Jackson as well, that um, men and women, or boys and girls or whatever, right. can be just friends, and they can have those strong connections that are completely platonic. Yes. And they can love each other, and they can be there for each other, and it not turn into something with sexual tension or yes. something with romantic undertones or, you know, overtones or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think those, I think that more people need to write bro TPs. Yes. Hey, you know, I won't argue that. You know, I won't argue that. But um, that's, that's the big thing is that, you know, I think it's so, there's so much unhealthy obsession mm-hmm. with romantic relationships in our society that that should be your ultimate be all end all goal yeah. of your life and you don't under so many people don't see that there's so many fulfilling things that come out of just having strong friendships mm-hmm. friendships that will get you through those breakups those right. really low points in your life and that those friendships can come from anyone well and to expect it from children's books i think yeah. is so unhealthy yes like i'm I, you know it's exciting that those characters grew up and that once yes. they grew up that they grew together romantically but you know if you had told me like and then they have crushes on each other from the first one I'd be like yeah. they're 12 they're yeah. babies yes and you, you know, know at one point Annabeth does admit that she had a crush on him but she also admits that he drove her nuts <laughs> and that you know she valued his friendship right for a long time before they grew into that I mean it's like three or four books mm-hmm. so you know I, I feel like 
it's all right to because at 12 you are beginning to grow up and you're yeah. beginning to experience those adult feelings and you're beginning to reach out into the world and try to figure out where you fit into the world mm-hmm. whether it is romantic or it is platonic or it is whatever so it's important that those feelings be explored but it's also important to say hey you know just because you have a crush on somebody doesn't mean this person can't be an important person in your life yeah as a platonically. friend right and that doesn't mean that I mean, yeah, I would think that, you know, putting that value on the friendship over the potential relationship or the yes. crush or whatever yes. is such an important thing to teach, especially, I mean, I'll just say it, especially young girls, Yes, you know, who are growing up being told that, you know, you know, girls start asking each other on the playground, like, who do you like when they're in third grade? Third grade. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that it's, it, yeah, of course it's important to decide whether or not that kind of connection is for you. But it's also important to show in books, in movies, in whatever, that that's not always something that has to be super important. Especially because, you know, like you said, we start this on the playground. Yeah. And you can't have a guy friend at that age without constant teasing. Oh, is this your boyfriend? Mm -hmm. Your boyfriend? Is your boyfriend coming over? Yeah. And you can't just say, no, he's just my friend because... He's a boy and he's a friend, but he's not my boyfriend. boyfriend. (laughs) You know, it, it... even from adults, yeah. even from, you know, older siblings, even from... And I think it's just so important that we all take a step back and let kids be kids. Get, let kids be kids and let kids be friends. Yes. Yeah. Just let them play and let them be little and not have that, you know, I mean... Pressure. Like, that pressure and that whole thing where we start this well before they're on the playground. You know, when somebody holds a baby boy and they say, oh, he's going to be a heartbreaker someday. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it's oh, like... Oh, you're going to have to keep all the guys away yeah, from this one. this little girl. Like, you know, she's two. Could we not assign yeah. her that burden yes. right now? Can we not worry about her future romantic endeavors at right. two, please? Yeah, exactly. And it's the thing that people kind of forget the opposite of when... You know, they say things like, you know, when there's a, a gay character in a, um, or a queer character in a children's film or whatever. Right. Like, well, you know, they shouldn't be pushing that agenda. Yeah. Well, what if you're a queer child who has seen nothing but heterosexual you relationships. Know, relationships and like, how is that not pushing that agenda? Right. You know, how right. is that not saying this is the only normal thing? Right. You know, it's like, well, we can't, you can't have it just that. Like, you have to be able to say, like... You have to be able to look at it from the other side right. and say, like, oh, this might be incredibly isolating to a kid who doesn't Hugely. understand why he feels a certain way. Why or, he doesn't fit that mold. Yeah, why he yeah, why he doesn't see female characters or whatever in that light and yes. think there's something wrong with him. Yeah, which is a beautiful segue into um, the fact that that is a huge thread throughout Rick Reardon's books. Really? Uh, yeah, he has several characters that are... Um, of different religions mm-hmm. that are of different sexualities that are um, Nico is a huge character through all of the books and right up until the end when you find out who he is and he he has you know he has his first relationship with Will who is an a son of Apollo um, and you know you see him come into it and he's a very dark character um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spoil the books for anybody but he's a very dark character it has very good reason to be mm-hmm. um, and he's the son of Hades which also makes him isolated from everybody else just as you would imagine somebody coming forward and saying hey I'm, I'm Hades son you know you'd, you'd imagine people would be like oh. dad's kind of a dick <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, He's kind of bro. The god of the underworld, and you know, Sorry, the, the Lord kind of the of Dead. <laughs> so you know, you know, he's this very angsty, very, but he's such a great character too. Mm-hmm. He has these moments where he'll just like melt out of the shadows and deliver these like slap in the face one liners, and then mm-hmm. he just disappears again, and it's like, you know, you you you're left reeling. He's a very well rounded character whose sexuality is not his only defining characteristic, mm-hmm. which is another pitfall of, I think, any character that doesn't fit the white heterosexual mold for right. a lot of, of fandoms. Mm-hmm. They become one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, we have to hit the check boxes as right. opposed to letting that be one facet of who that person is. It's a huge part of who you are. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only thing. Yeah, I mean, that makes me very happy to hear that he doesn't turn into, like, the token gay. No. No, he has a much bigger role mm-hmm. to play than being the token gay. Right. Um, and I know in his newest series, which I, like I said, I have unfortunately not had the chance to read yet. They have, he has a character who is Muslim. He has a character mm-hmm. who is, um, I believe he has a character who's transgender. Mm-hmm. So he is trying to be very representative, but he's very selective, not because he wants to exclude anybody, but because he does not want them all to become well, a set of blocked characters. And, you know... There's one thing, it's one thing to, you, you really do have to be kind of careful. I don't want to say like you have to be careful, you have to be selective, but you do when you're trying to represent true diversity. Yes. So that it doesn't turn into, you know, like a, a Midwest state school um, brochure where you yes. see like, okay, well, we have one Asian student, one you know, nondescript brown female student. Right. We have one, one black, black student, student, you know, and, and so, okay, look how diverse we are. And two white students. And two with, white students, yeah. yeah, all talking to the same professor. Um, that, like, you can look at that and say, like, yes. that is not, you're trying so hard. Right. And you're failing. Right. Because that's not, that's so forced. Yes. So I think it's great that he is, that those, the books do, ex- like, celebrate yes. the diversity, but they don't, it doesn't sound like they, um, they're kind of shoehorning it in. And then they're not. Um, yeah. And he's not. Uh, the Seven, the second series, The Heroes of Olympus, mm-hmm. focuses around seven um, demigods who are trying to stop the, the second rise. And we're talking about, you know, some of them are Greek and some of them are, are Roman. Okay. And so uh, they're coming from two completely different worlds. And they are very diverse in many ways, you mm-hmm. know. Um, we have uh, Hazel, who is from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, she's African American. We have Leo, who is um, he is lat- uh, Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I know that uh, Piper is Cherokee. So he does have a very nice, like, well-rounded cast. But again, you're talking about characters where that's a huge part of their who they are. But that's not. But that's all not that who they, they are. are. Yeah. Right. We're not checking the boxes mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's, it's really well done and it's very refreshing in a series that's aimed to ch- toward children that you're m- mixing that in there, that you're mm-hmm. making sure these children are seeing themselves represented in different races, different genders, different right. religions, but it's not, like you said, shoehorned in and mm-hmm. shoved in your face. Well, and yeah, I think that, you know, true, a true celebration of diversity needs to be organic and it needs yes. to feel... If we're going to get to a point where we're not, you know, it doesn't feel like we have to keep having this conversation, yeah. then this is how it needs to be. Then it needs to be normalized, normalized. and organic from the start right? so that, you know, somebody doesn't look at a college catalog and be like, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. And and people who are creating media like that do not feel like they have to do that. Right. Because it's just going, you know, they're just looking for an accurate representation of the population. Right. 
we're making an effort to make that, like you said, an organic part mm-hmm. of everyday life as opposed to, okay, you, uh, the, the black student, come over here and take yes. your picture and you, the Asian student, come over right. here and take hey, your picture. Hey, uh, we need some more pictures of black people. Can yeah. we, like, go around and take pictures of black people? Like, that's not, that's not helpful. That's no. not celebrating diversity. It that's, is not. That's really going in the opposite direction, I right. think. But, um... I've gotten off on a and racial while, tangent. <laughs> while it is important to see that representation. Absolutely, yeah. But to say, like, well, I can't, you know, we, we need to do this new, like, marketing material, for yes. instance. That's, you know, look at how many, you know, how many black kids go to this school. Like, that's... Using a student as marketing material right. is where it gets really gross. Yes. Agreed. And, yeah, using a student specifically for their race for any right. reason is really gross. Agreed. Um, or person in general doesn't have to be a student, but yeah. Agreed. Well, that was <laughs> that, the, was, that, was, the that was the general example we were going with. But um but yeah, so that is really cool and I think it's probably super important for the children who read it. And I would assume a huge reason as to why the fandom is so big. Yes. Um and I did not realize how big the fandom was until I went poking around it's um, very big. It's big, it's but very it's big. very sweetly connected. It is. Um, and the people connected to it are very defensive of it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Because we are aware that it is an easy target for people who want to tear it down mm-hmm. for things like that. Um, and, you know, oh, you're all pushing your agendas. You're all pushing your, your yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Sorry. There was a rude gesture. <laughs> I was just going to say, you, you want to explain the gesture for the audience? <laughs> you guys don't. I'm sure you can guess what I did with my hand. Uh, we don't need to get into it. My grandma might listen to this. Um, there was a rude gesture involved. That's all you need to know. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really great. And I'm excited to read about it or read it. I will probably start with the Egypt stuff because I yeah. love me some Egypt the Kane stuff. Kane Chronicles are excellent. Kane Chronicles, Kane, that's what they're called? K-A-N-E. Okay, do the you happen to have them that I, I could borrow I think them? I do have a copy. Would you mind letting me borrow Not one? at all. Just okay. take it home with you. <laughs> okay. Just make sure I get it back because I'm going to want to read it at some point. <laughs> um, so that's awesome, guys. Guess what? I have new reading material. Something to read on the plane. Woo! Woo! Um, but we can talk about our fic of the week if you want. Yes, let's talk. I have... So many questions. Um, our fic is entitled... And readers, Emily picked our fic this week because I lost mine, and so she went into the fandom and she found several to offer to me. And she sent me this lovely little email that basically said, I chose these based on the descriptions and I have never been more confused in my life. So, yeah, uh, I'm just going to call you out. Yeah, Kaz is a bad fangirl because she, she lost is. her favorite fanfic. I lost fanfic. my fanfic. I can't guys, find the link anywhere. You guys know that I love to give you a new recommendation and the recommendation of the favorite fic of our guest. We don't have that this week. We, we have don't. one recommendation, one story that we read, and it is called Annabeth Chase and the Necklace of Harmonia by Ash the Fanboy. Already, I say, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, the necklace obviously does not play into the um, actual canon, mm-hmm. um, but the background of where this th- takes place is between the first and the second books of... Um, the second series? The second series. The Heroes of Olympus series. I keep wanting to mix them up, and I want to make sure that I get them correct. The Heroes of Olympus series. So this is a short fic. It's about 5,000 words. It is. Um, also a reason to pick it because we were both very busy this week, and we didn't have a lot of time <laughs> we did to not. devote to fanfic. <laughs> we did not. I think I had more time than you did because I was on a plane for six hours. But um, I. it is a quick read. It. I believe it is Ash the Fanboy's college project. 
Uh, I, I think that's there's what it a said. disclaimer yes, at the top that if uh, you leave a comment, it might be worked in into his or her no his uh, yeah. like thesis or evaluation yes. or something. Yes. He's gonna write a paper about this. So I haven't commented yet because I felt like I did not really have enough information to comment. <laughs> I feel like this podcast <laughs> would be an excellent resource. I for feel Ash like the yeah, I feel like I'm gonna just leave a link to this episode <laughs> in Ash the Fanboy's comment box and be like, this is what we thought of your fic. No <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Here you go. We didn't want to leave this in a comment because it's an hour and forty five minutes long, but here's <laughs> the episode. So um okay so it takes place in the second series yes. between the first and second, and second books. books. Yes. Annabeth and Percy are together? Yes, they are together. Okay. Uh, romantically. Romantically. They are a couple. Okay. Still going to Camp Half-Blood? Yes. yes. Okay. In and out, yes. In and out of Camp Half-Blood. Where is Percy? <laughs> well, see, that is the ongoing problem. Okay. Um, I can't tell you that without spoiling the series. Well, can you tell me where, what happened at the end of the first book? I can tell you. So the, that I understand why she's looking for him. Absolutely. Okay. The first book basically opens with the second set of demigods. So we're basically almost looking at a second generation. Okay. Percy and Annabeth you would think at this point have finished their story. Yeah. And they're moving on with their lives. So this is where the second group of demigods would then pick up okay. and move on to the second group. Mm -hmm. And so you're dealing with looking at them kind of coming up to camp on their own kind of thing. Okay. Um, and... When you say them, you mean Percy and Annabeth? No. No, I mean, oh, the, the new, new jet. The, the new class. The new class. <laughs> who at this point is Jason and Piper and Leo. Okay. Um, who I don't believe are really mentioned in the fic. Um, so I'm trying not to muddy the waters. But okay. it is important to know <laughs> so that you can understand where Percy is. Okay. So the second series opens with the three of them being brought to the camp. Okay. To Camp Half-Blood. And the whole book, the whole first book, Jason is feeling that he's out of place. He's feeling that he doesn't belong. He's feeling that something is wrong here. He feels like he's not safe here, which is crazy because this is supposed to be the safest place in the world for these children. Right. So they can tell that there's something off about him. He just doesn't quite fit in the way the other kids do. Okay. Um, it's very obvious from the beginning that he is a demigod. He is a, a son of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. um, he, Or, I'm sorry, of, of Zeus. He is... Um, you know, they can tell that he has these powers, they can tell that he is important, but they can also tell that something is just off with him. So when they meet Annabeth, um, mm -hmm. long story short, you see her come in and she thinks she's looking for Percy, who has vanished. And so, Just kind of off the face of the earth. Just, yeah, one day, all of a sudden. Just bloop, yep, gone. He kissed her, he dropped her off at her camp, her cabin the night before, mm -hmm. and when they got up the next morning, he was gone. Okay. So we we see Annabeth obviously frantic because, like I said, not only is he her boyfriend, he's her best friend. Yeah. They've been best friends for a long time at mm -hmm. this point. So, you know, she's, she's frantic about him. And I also think that that's a really important point. I'm going to stop side note here. Very important thing to point out as well. Yeah. Okay, that um, their relationship is not just romantic. Yeah. You know, so often these relationships, especially in young adult literature, are all about the romance. Right. And the two of them have this great friendship that you see throughout the series. Mm -hmm. It's a comfortable relationship. It's a kind of example of a good relationship that young people should be looking for. Yeah, definitely. So back onto the track. Mm -hmm. So she's obviously frantically looking for him. And so she takes them back to the camp and she drops them off. And over the series of the books, you realize that 
that's why Jason doesn't fit in is because he doesn't belong there. He belongs somewhere else. And that's where Percy is, is where Jason belongs. Oh. There's been a, a trade. Oh. Yes. I don't want to go too exciting. much into it. Yes. No, I'm into it. it. I'm I super. I told you you'd be into I'm, it. <laughs> I knew I would. It's just like one of those things. Like I put, keep putting it off because I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> to, to get sucked get into. Get into another thing right now. <laughs> Steve Rogers and Darcy Lewis are taking up 90% of my imagination. I don't have time to devote to anything else. <laughs> Your whole brain power. Honey. My whole brain power is shield shock right now. I don't have time for a new fandom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nope. This sounds great but I don't have time for it. You're good. You're good. Okay, so that answers that question. Okay. Next question. Um, so uh, is so Aphrodite then comes in in this fic. Yes. To give Annabeth a quest. Yes. Um, and she, uh, people who are, we're going to explain the fic a little bit. Um, we won't get too much into it so you guys can Right, we don't want to spoil the end. But uh, Aphrodite shows up and gives Annabeth a job to do um, to retrieve this necklace for her. Yes. And is Aphrodite always written as this, like, ditzy bitch? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much Aphrodite. <laughs> okay. The beauty of it is, though, I actually really like her character. Mm-hmm. I know. Go ahead. Roast me. Hate <laughs> me. But I actually really like Aphrodite's character because she is who she is. And she's unapologetic about it. Okay. So she does have this, like, now, the way she's written in the books is a little, or in the fic is a little more exaggerated because it fits this fic. Mm-hmm. It makes sense here. Right. So it's much more like early Aphrodite than it is like later Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that character, even though she's a 3,000 year old goddess, she grows through some growth during this series as well. Okay. Um, so that's much more like early Aphrodite than it mm-hmm. is like we see her later. But she's this amazing, beautiful, strong, powerful woman, and she takes crap from nobody. But she is who she is. And like, so yeah, so I was reading it and I was like, is this just like a bad, badly written version of this character? No. But no, she's just, that's just. Yeah, that's, she's, 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 she has those moments. Okay. She has those and moments. And then in that case, I don't have any issue with the way she was written because apparently mm-hmm. was, now I don't know, but was yeah. she like, that was pretty yeah, much on track? Yeah, there's a scene in um, one of the books, I believe it's in The Lightning Thief itself mm-hmm. actually, where she uh, pulls Annabeth into her car and wants to give her this whole talk about how she's, you know, seen the two of them perfect together and she's, you know, all the way behind the, the whole scene in the fic where she's talking about, you know, you know I've always had your back and you know I've always been into your Her relationship. Her Sabeth is and, my yeah, favorite. Yes, yes, yes. Is is canon. Okay. I mean, he, he drew that directly from the actual series. So, like I said, you see some massive growth from that mm-hmm. character herself. Yeah. Um, from the beginning where you see her almost as a, this, this like you said, this ditzy bitch. bitchy yeah. Yeah, uh, out there character to seeing that that's a facade that she's mm-hmm. really good at producing. But underneath it, there's this raw power that's actually really impressive. Cool. So since I had no context, uh-huh. um, and let me tell you guys, it is super fun to read a fanfic without any context whatsoever, <laughs> because like I said, this is a short 5,000-ish word fic. And I told Cass last night, I have never been so confused so quickly. <laughs> in your whole life. In my entire life. And I'm frequently confused. I'm not that smart. Um, so your opinion then way, means in ways way more than mine in this yeah. case. Do you think that this was a fic that could easily have kind of fit into the canon? Yeah, I think it definitely fits into, like it, it follows the timeline very mm-hmm. well. Um, the characters are written very well. There is... 
um, a little bit, I would have actually liked to see it be a little bit longer. And I'm not sure if Ash the Fanboy specifically cut it down because mm-hmm. he was using this as part of his thesis. Right. Um, and wanted it to be a specific length. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like there was a lot of room for a slightly more expanded version of this this fic that could have explained a few things so you would not even though you're coming out completely out of context would not have been quite so confused i felt like that as well yeah and like i said even though i was super confused i would have liked to read more not just for the context but because i wanted to kind of spend more time with annabeth Mm -hmm. on her quest yes because although i'm a casual observer i've always kind of felt like if i read the books that i would really like her character you would you would. And um, that she... So, yeah, I wanted to spend more time with her, and I wanted to kind of... Like, the title, Annabeth Chase and the Necklace of Harmonia, sounds pretty fucking epic. It is. I <laughs> and thought that was a pretty great title, I was honestly. like, this is epic. Yeah. I want to see kind of an epic tale. Like, yes. I would have been fine reading, you know, 10,000, 15,000 yeah. words, as opposed to just the five. But, again, it could be he cut it for length or, right. or whatever. Right. But um, what we had, I thought... For, again, having zero context and not knowing if it was well-written or not. Right. Um, I enjoyed it. Well, and as somebody who is coming from completely, like you said, mm-hmm. out, of, out of left field, you've yeah. never read any of this before, you were able to follow the plot right. of the story. Yes. And you were able to recognize the characters within it and, mm-hmm. and understand their motives and understand where they're coming from and right. understand why they would do the things that they mm-hmm. do. So that, I think, is a mark of a really good short story. Yeah. Short stories are an art. I mean, and I would consider yeah. anything under about 10,000 words to be Absolutely, a definitely. Story. And it is an art that I, I... It is a skill that I do not have. Same. I mean, we have bored each other to tears, I'm sure, sending, <laughs> like, novel-length fix back and forth. I just need you to look over this scene, and my scene is, like, 25,000 Hey, words. I just need you to look over this scene, and I look at, you know, and I, I've sent Cassie, like, a 225K PDF, and she's like, I'll get back to you next spring. <laughs> when I have time. Love you. <laughs> mean okay. it. Um, whenever you have a chance. Yeah. So, so we don't do short stories. No. So, Ash the Fanboy, good job for... Yes. And, and... It is a contained yes. adventure. It is a self-contained yeah. piece. You can read it out of context. It works much better, obviously, if you have the context. Have the context. But you can read it out of context and, mm-hmm. like I said, still be able to follow it. Mm-hmm. So I think he did a really good job. Of course, we say he based off of the name of the, the name, author. Yes. But, you know, they did a really fantastic job with at least making the characters relatable right. to the sense of, like you said, you you don't know Annabeth, but you still feel like even just from having the little bit of context mm-hmm. of the series that you have and having read this little piece that you feel like you would really like her. That Yeah, and that I wanted to see her, her doing more. And yes. like I said, I wanted to see this turn yes. into, I was hoping it was going to be like a big epic sweeping adventure, <laughs> um, even though I would have had no idea what the fuck was going on. But, um, but yeah. I- if I had to pick one negative for mm-hmm. the fic, that would be my one complaint. I would have liked to see a little bit more of the action side yeah. of it. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her thoughts as she undertook this quest mm-hmm. and, and what she did with it. More of a deep dive. More of a deep dive. Yeah. So, Ash the Fanboy, um, that's what we thought of your fic. <laughs> uh, if you decide to edit it and expand, uh, I'd happily read more. Amen. <laughs> I give it a solid A minus. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very fair. Like a 91%. 91%. I like that. Still a solid A. It's a solid A. Um, I hope that's what you get on your paper. Amen. Um, I also, mega props for writing a paper on fanfic. Yes. 
I feel like that is such a beautiful choice for your podcast as it well. It really like is. Somebody who is writing a paper on fan fiction like, on a podcast about fan fiction. I would have never had the balls to do that in yeah. school. There were so many times. Oh, I know. That I was like, oh God, I wish I could just, I could, wish I could just write about a fic. I took those creative writing classes and I was like, but I just want to write this fic and I could do such a good job with it. Maybe if it just changed the name. And then it's like, but then it doesn't have a context. Right. And it doesn't make sense. And, and it's still not your characters. Still technically cheating because it's not your characters. I mean, we're not going to tell anybody but you know we couldn't write fanfic for school and we really wanted to we frequently talked about it um, <laughs> a lot but I do think that that's I think that's super cool yes. good job and um, I also feel like it's kind of indicative of how public opinion is sort of changing about fanfic yes um, I've seen references to it in pop culture come up more and more yes and not in just a making fun of kind of way. Yes. Like, it is done tongue-in-cheek, but But it's we make fun of ourselves all the time anyway. Preach. Um, but, like, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Terry Crews' character, uh -huh. who's, you know, the gigantic oh, yeah. renaissance. Oh, yeah. We love Terry Crews. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his laptop gets seized by uh, internal affairs, I think. I forget what the context is, but somebody higher up seizes his laptop. And they were like, yeah, there's really nothing here except a lot of files that seem to be Madam Secretary fanfic. <laughs> and they look at Terry. They look at Terry and he goes, Terry was just filling in the gaps. The show left Terry wanting more. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, see, he's this strong, wonderful, amazing man, and he is not ashamed at all. Like, no. he's, you know, this, that's he's why we write. He's fixing a plot yes, hole. I just, the show left Terry wanting more. Um, and then there was a scene on, I want to say it's Parks and Rec, um, where Aubrey Plaza knocks on the door of, and I can't remember the actor's name now, but um, he played, I think his name's, character's name's Ben. Uh, knocks on his door and she's like, hey, are you busy? And writing Star Trek fan fiction does not count. <laughs> and he's like, ha, 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 I finished it last night. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I have time now. <laughs> well, and they, they, they've broken this down on Tumblr where it's like, hey, I love this because uh, he's, you know, he's not ashamed. He's nope. clearly admitting that this is something that he does and he's not ashamed. And somebody else goes, I also love that he's clearly lying yes. because it is not, he did not finish it last night. He did not finish night. it. He did not. <laughs> Because nobody is that casual when they finish a fanfic. <laughs> finish a fanfic. Haha, <laughs> I finished it last night. No, you didn't. Liar. <laughs> Liar. But I also like in both of those examples that you're talking about men. Mm -hmm. They're men who, because this is a thing that is so often relegated to lonely cat ladies and, you know, that, that stereotype yeah. that we're still trying to fight against. You know, your your whole introduction is is geek boys and geek girls and geeks beyond the binary. Like, yeah. all of us. This is a well, thing that connects all of us. And it's something that, you know, it's one of those things that we get made fun of the most, but as far as fan content creation... Oh, yeah. Women, no. Women and, you know, LGBT members of the community are the ones who are creating the most. There's no content. Yeah, and... Yes. When I had, you know, I have, I have one guy friend who's in fan fiction, yeah. who does, you know, who reads and writes it, and, you know, I didn't even think about that until I had him on the show, and I was like, holy shit, you are the only guy that I know, yeah. and maybe you're the only guy who's willing to admit it, yeah, but but again, that's the whole point of the podcast, well, break down those walls, and you know, good job, Ash the fanboy, amen, um, but yeah, I mean, when I talk about, I mean, I'm sure you've heard me, but when I talk about any fanfic writer, my instinct is to say she. She. Um, and use female pronouns because that's my experience. Right. Every 
author that I have met through fanfic, you know, yes. friends that I've made, um, self-included, yes. you know, self present included. company included. Self-included. Um, you know, I have, it has never, it's never surprised me that these authors are women. Right. And, you know, I just think like, so we're creating all this content that you're enjoying whether you fucking admit it or not. <laughs> and it's like, why are we getting made fun of for it? Yeah. Why is that something that we should be ashamed of? I have written thousands and thousands of words about yes. Steve Rogers and Darcy Lewis, and it's like, I shouldn't have to be ashamed of that. No. Some of that shit's really good. I'm sure it's really good. <laughs> of course it's really good. You've been writing for how long? I wish you were in this fandom with me <laughs> so that I could send it to you. I'm so proud of it. Witness my distress over your lack of Percy Jackson love. Look, we don't have time to deep dive into each other's fandoms at this stage in our lives, okay? I feel like we're going to have to just live separately in these two camps. Play. <laughs> I see what you did there. Play on words. But, you know, to, to bring it full circle, that, you know, maybe this is a thing, like you said, men may very well be all over these fandoms and just not ready to admit that. Mm-hmm. Break down those walls. Yeah. Bring them in. Include them. That's fine. Show them that we want them here. I, yeah, I do. I totally I want you I here. I know you do. <laughs> I wasn't, that was, that was <laughs> no, a no, collective no, 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 I know. I know. I'm saying, but like, I totally do because the more we can admit as adults that we like things, yeah. then the less people are going to stress about stupid shit. Like, stupid things. Like, should I admit that I like this thing? I mean, I yeah, I, I went on that rant a couple weeks ago. It's like, you should never... As long as you're not hurting anybody, right. there's nothing to be ashamed of or to feel bad about liking anything. Right. <laughs> you're just liking things. You like things. It's okay. And it's okay to like things. And you know what? It's a creative outlet. Yeah. You know, it's people doing things that inspires their imagination and releases their creativity into the world. And who knows? Maybe, you know, like as we're finding archaeological discoveries now, 5,000 years from now... We may find fanfics all over the place that I are what we've left behind. I hope that we find ancient Greek fanfic today. I would be amazed. I hope that. that they are digging something up and people are writing, like, you know, smutty fanfic. I mean, I guess kind of the ancient myths were... I was going to say they pretty much pretty, were. Pretty much are just smutty fanfic um, in general. I'm going to talk about a theory that I heard, and this is not Percy Jackson related, but it's Greek God related. Hey, I'll take it. Quick question for you, though. Have you ever read any, like, legit Greek God fanfic? I'm not. Okay. I haven't either. I haven't either. But I know that it exists. I'm sure it does. And people really like to write about um, Hades and Persephone. Yeah. That's, like, the big, everybody's favorite ship. Everybody's favorite ship. Um, Which I know that they get it wrong in the movie. Yes. (laughs) That they say that they, that he capped, that he imprisoned her. Yes. Um, and that is apparently not true. You know, and there are varying viewpoints on that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the myths, of course, as we pass them down, grow and change. Yeah. So, you know, earlier myths become erased to later myths, or mm-hmm. later myths, myths are twisted into our current viewpoint on that. So I've heard it both ways. I have also, yes, I've heard that it is written or initially told as yes. he stole her. Right. And brought her to the underworld. Yes. Um, and then somebody's like, no, we're reading that from a modern standpoint. That was actually a tradition that, like, the the groom would, like, kidnap the right, bride. Right, That was you an know. ancient Greek. I yeah. do remember reading And it wasn't, name. she didn't come unwillingly. It was yeah. just, like, this silly tradition that they had to go through. Right. That he would, like, steal her from her parents' right. house. And she wouldn't have gone if she didn't want to. Yeah, I've heard that as mm-hmm. well. And, I, like I said, I'm not sure which one is the original. Yeah. But, um. I don't either. I know which one I like better. 
Same, same. I like the one that, that reeks of consent. Yes. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I had heard, um, because my favorite Greek persona mm-hmm. was always Medusa. Yes. And I, she was like, I hated that she was a monster. Yes. And all I could think when I was like, I mean, I've thought this since I was a child, that someone who can turn somebody to stone just by looking at them must be so lonely. Yeah. And that made me so sad to think about. And then I read the actual, what actually happened to Medusa. Yes. How she was raped. Yes. Uh, while she was praying at Athena's temple. Mm-hmm. And she had pledged her allegiance and her, you know, lifelong virginity. Right, because right. she was going to be, you know, a follower of Athena right. and a, you know, whatever. And then she got raped while she was there and then thus defiled the right. temple. Right. She did, not her rapist. Right. Yeah. Um, Was it Poseidon? I think so, yes. If I remember Fucking correctly, yes. Poseidon, anyway. Um, <laughs> douche. So, um, so, you know, she's the one who's punished. And I was always like, well, Athena, fuck you. Yeah. Because, you know, that's, like, way to not be for the sisterhood. The ultimate. The ultimate, yeah. Patriarchy. The, yeah. That, like, it's your temple. You get to set the rules. But you're expected to punish her for right. being a victim right. of sexual assault. And so I was always like, well, that sucks. And then, you know, that I hated that. And then they made her this monster and whatever. Yes. And she grew angry and vengeful. Yeah. yeah. And then somebody on Tumblr, because it's the only website I ever go to anymore, (laughs) um, kind of re uh, made me think about it in a different way, which is that Athena, knowing she had to punish Medusa, because that was what was expected. That was the rule. That's what she was being told. She would have been punished if she didn't didn't punish her and so she turned her into this you know quote-unquote monster Mm -hmm. um but the way she did it was you know so medusa looks at somebody and they turn to stone um protect her yes but she did it to protect her because then no one would ever attack her again right I've heard um, that one too. And I like that so much so better. So much better. <laughs> right? Like, Athena, I don't hate you now. Right? <laughs> and that, you know, that Medusa wanted to be solitary. She yes. didn't want a partner. She didn't want to yes. be with somebody. And that maybe she's not a vengeful monster. Maybe right. she's just a chick who wanted to be left, left alone. alone. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, I'm sure that there are a million people out there that will have a million corrections for this. Don't at me. But at me, I would love some interaction. I would love to have a fight about Greek gods on Twitter. But in my mind, that seems so much more like an answer for a solidarity sister moment. Than, yeah, you know, definitely. If, if we're going to fight against, you know, whatever is coming at us and mm-hmm. whoever has control over us, we're going to do it in a way that lets us have each other's back. Yeah. And that, you know, it maybe it wasn't, like, we view it as a punishment because, like I said, I always thought she must be so lonely and right. she must be so sad. And, you know, viewed as this this wraith and this, you know, vengeful monster or whatever. And, you know, growing up and realizing, like, no, she wanted to be she left alone. She just wanted alone. to be left alone. And Athena made sure that she could be, you know. And, and whether society chooses to view her as monstrous because of that, mm-hmm. that's them. That's, that's on not, them. Yeah. Well, and she chose to give her a power in that version that would keep such a thing from ever happening to yeah. her again. Yeah, 
you know, to to have gone through something so degrading and humiliating as to be raped in your own home, the space that's supposed to be Mm -hmm. your safest space. Yeah. For her to have the power to never allow that to happen to her again is every victim's dream. Yeah. So whether or not that's the actual, and again, you can't see my air quotes, but they're there. (laughs) You can hear them. Uh, You can hear them. The actual version of it or not. I like this retelling for modern society because it, it... has each other's back. Yeah, and it gives her that agency back and it makes her less of a victim overall. Overall. It, and it, it, it makes Athena less of a villain. Yes. Also. Yes. It makes them both less of a villain. Yes. Really. It doesn't it takes that monstrous side away. Because you'll notice in the original version, the only one who gets away with no punishment fucking Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> Your dislike of Poseidon makes me want to have to just stand, stand up here and defend because as he's Percy's dad, he's pretty cool in the Percy Jackson series. The real Poseidon was kind of a douche. He's a soup's dick in Greek mythology, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so. He's much better in Rick Riordan's books. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll read them <laughs> just, just to change my tune on Poseidon. Um, all right, closing thoughts. Do we have any or should we just get out of here? No, no. I just want to say thanks. I had a lot of fun. Yay. And I really hope that we can do this again. We totally can. Absolutely. Okay. And yes, thank you. Yay. Yay. Well, thanks, Cass. This was so much fun. Anytime. And um, if you are in the Portland area and you are listening, there is still time to get your Percy Jackson Lightning Thief musical tickets. Uh, you can go to Portland Five Center for the Arts.com, PortlandVibe.com, rather. Uh, Percy Jackson Lightning Thief.com. It is in Portland May 7th and 8th. So get your tickets, go and see it, read the books, have a great week, and above all else, get your ship together. <laughs>